Good morning. It's nice to look out and see so many welcoming faces. Just a little bit about myself. I don't really like talking about myself, but a little bit. I grew up in Colorado on a dairy farm. I went to college at Canadian Union College because that was the cheapest college my dad could find. Little did I know I would end up back there again someday. I spent 26 years in the Seattle area pastoring there. I've been pastoring for about 40 years, but I've been doing evangelism for close to that amount of time as well. So, um, how many of you have ever been to Calgary, Alberta? Not one hand. Look at that. Have you been to Calgary? Yeah. The first two church district I ever had in my life, I had a little church in Banff, Alberta. Banff is in the mountains. I don't know if you've seen pictures of Banff. I had 12 members in Banff. In Calgary, we had 1,200 members. So we were a big church. But for the last year, I've done evangelism in the Alberta Conference, and I just, October 1st, accepted the call to come to Ohio to do evangelism. So so, uh, I'm here now. So anyway. And it's good to see each one of you. We'll have some more time to get to know each other at about 2.30 this afternoon, okay? I want to talk to you about church growth. How can the church grow? What are things that hinder church growth? What are things that will help church, the church to grow? And so on. But I don't want it to, this afternoon to be just a time when I'm talking at you. I want you to talk back to me, okay? I want to hear your input. So, the weather's a little rainy. Everybody I see says, oh, I hope you don't think that Ohio is always like this. Listen, I spent 26 years in Seattle. I love the rain. I like the rain. So, I've entitled my sermon this morning, How Big Is Your God? Will you pray with me again before we start? Father in heaven, please be with us now as we worship you today. And I just pray that your blessing will be on this church. May your spirit fill this room. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have one simple question for you today. And that question is, how big is your God? In Isaiah 40, God gave us some comparisons. And I want you to open your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 40. And once you are there, keep your Bible open. All right? God gave us some comparisons here in the 40th chapter of Isaiah. I'm going to begin reading with Isaiah 40 and verse 25. It says, To whom then... Will you liken me? God is speaking here. 
To whom will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Says the Holy One. No one has ever seen God. And no one can say that I know everything about God. We humans attempt to define God and to put him in the box of our understanding. God has to go around blowing up those boxes. We like to say, this is God. But God has to constantly try to enlarge our picture. J.B. Phillips wrote a little book entitled, Your God is Too Small. And it's true. We tend to make God just a little bit bigger than ourselves. We tend to make God just a little bit stronger than ourselves. So let's take a closer look at the comparisons that God gives us, okay? First of all, God compares his greatness to us as humans. Look with me in verse 6. Isaiah 40 and verse 6. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely people are grass. I remember studying this verse, actually, in university. Our instructor sent us all out to the front lawn on the front of the campus, had us get down on all fours, pull the grass apart so we could really take a look at the grass. He was trying to make a point. Some of the grass was large and coarse. There was other grass that was a little little smaller, a little more tender in, in its nature. And then if you really looked, you could see little tiny blades of grass just starting to grow. And I can remember thinking, God is right. We're just like grass. A freshman walked by and asked, what are you guys doing? We said, we're trying to see how big God is. He rolled his eyes and he said, you're looking in the wrong direction. Some of the blades were small, like little children. Some of them were medium-sized, like a teenager. And then some of us, some of them were like us. Adults, grown. And I remember thinking, you know, God is right. We're just like grass. We tend to make God just a little bit bigger than ourselves. We wouldn't dare make God equal with us, would we? No. So we tend to make him just a little larger than us. Then when we're faced with a problem, we look at the size of the problem. And we look at the size that we've made God. And we think, maybe I better handle this one myself. 
Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 25, the weakness of God is stronger than man. God says, do you want to know how big I am? Compared to me, you're all like grass. The second comparison, God compares his greatness to the nations. I want you to look in verse 15. You have your Bibles open, I trust? Look in verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on a scale. Look at verse 17. All nations before him are as nothing. They are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. I travel a lot more than I like. When flying at 40,000 feet, you look down and things look pretty small. You can see little, little towns or little cities. And sometimes you might even see, if it's getting dark, the headlights of a car way, way, way down there. A number of years back, I flew, got on a plane, and I flew from Seattle to Portland, Maine. And I can remember thinking as I was flying, the greatest nation in the world is not that big, you know? It's not that large. It's really pretty small. God says, do you want to know how big I am? Take the United States, take Canada, and Mexico, and South America, and Europe, and China, and Russia, and Africa. Take them all. Put all these countries together. And do you know how much they are to me? He says they're like a drop in a bucket. Wow. You can't do much with a drop of water, can you? Can you? Hmm. You can't take a shower with a drop of water. It <laughs> doesn't work. You can't brush your teeth with a drop of water. You can't do much of anything with a drop of water. How many of you, when you carry water, carry a drop of water at a time? Anybody? You carry just a drop at a time. How many of you, when you go to a restaurant, you say, can I have a drop of water, please? Then God compares the nations to a speck of dust. You've probably been in somebody else's house. Someone who doesn't dust quite as often as you do. And you've noticed the dust filtering through the sunlight coming in the window. Yeah? Anybody here ever tried to catch a speck of dust? <clears throat> I mean, catch a speck of dust with your finger. Ever tried it? I once heard a professor explaining why it's impossible to catch a speck of dust. This was in physical science class, okay? Not in, not in religion class, but in physical science class. He was trying to explain why it's impossible to catch a speck of dust. 
He went on and on and on with a drawn-out explanation that finally we were all just sitting there saying, get to the point. He said, every time you move your finger toward the speck of dust, the air moves the dust proportionally. That was the bottom line. He could have said that in about 10 seconds. Each time you move, it moves. We had dirt roads when I grew up on the farm in Colorado. And every time a big truck went by, we would eat dust for what seemed like a half an hour. I'm sure it wasn't anywhere near that long, but it seemed like that long. God says, do you want to know how big I am? Take all the nations of this earth, and they're like a speck of dust on a scale. A speck of dust isn't going to move the scale at all. Do you remember how the Berlin Wall fell? To God, that was nothing. He could do that by blowing. Do you remember how communism fell overnight? God could do that by blinking. How big is your God? Is he big enough to answer your prayers? Is he big enough to deal with your problems? Is he big enough to protect you? And to take care of you? We tend to make God just a little bit bigger than we are. We tend to make him just a little bit stronger than we are. We tend to say, God, I have everything under control. Everything's going well in my life. But if I need you, I'll let you know. Third, God compares his greatness to the whole world. Look in verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or has his, or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel? Who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? There's a river that flows through, through, uh, is it the Cuyahoga? Is that? Cuyahoga River. Ah, I got it right. Look at that. If I were to invite each one of you tomorrow, not today because it's Sabbath, but tomorrow, if I were to invite each one of you to bring a bucket and go with me down to the Cuyahoga River, and we'd form a bucket brigade and empty the river, what would you think? What would you say if I invited each one of you? <laughs> You're shaking your head. It isn't going to work, is it? Okay, but what if I could find a thousand people? What if I got everybody in the in this zip code? And I said, let's all take a bucket and let's go down and drain 
the Cuyahoga River. Huh? No? No? Well, what if I could get everybody in Cleveland? Everybody in Cleveland, bring a bucket. And let's form a bucket, a, a bunch of bucket brigades and let's drain the Cuyahoga River. You're going to say that isn't going to work. Do you know why? Because that water is just going to keep coming. That water is just going to keep coming. God says, do you want to know how big I am? Take the Cuyahoga River the Athabasca River, the Colorado River, the Mississippi, the Missouri, the Amazon. In fact, take the uh, Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, the Indian Ocean, the Arctic Ocean. Take all the water on this earth, which covers about 80% of the earth. Take all the water. And he said, you know what? I can hold it in the palm of my hand. I can hold it all right here. How much water can a man hold in the palm of his hand? Actually, there's been people who've been given grants to figure that out. It's true. The average man can hold three teaspoons of water in the palm of his hand. That's the average man. About 50 years ago, 52 years ago, in fact, I was on my way to Canadian Union College to go to, to go to college. And they were having the Calgary Stampede. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Calgary Stampede. It's the largest rodeo in the world. They were having the Calgary Stampede, and so I decided to take a little detour on the way to college and just see the largest rodeo in the world. I grew up on a farm. I remember going to the hotel and I remember getting in the elevator and the largest person I've ever seen in my life got in the elevator with me. This person was so large, so tall, so big that he had to bend way down to walk into the elevator. And as he stood in the elevator, he had to stand like this and his head was right up at the ceiling. And I can remember he kept looking right at me. His hand was about this big. And I can remember sit, standing in that elevator thinking, ah, this guy could knock me across town in one swipe. It was Andre the Giant, the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. Yet Andre the Giant is nothing compared to God. Nothing. I didn't know who he was. We got out of the elevator, he went in the restaurant, and I waited around and walked in and to ask somebody, who is that? We think we're pretty big. We say, God, you stay over there. I'm going to make my plans. I'm going to plan my life. I'm going to run my life. And if I need you, I'll let you know. 
We tend to make God just a little bit bigger than ourselves. Fourth, God compares his greatness to the entire universe. Look with me in verse 26. Are you there? Verse 26, Isaiah 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number? He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Do you remember verse 12 where God measures the heavens with his hand? Remember that? Look at verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. The Orion constellation has a red supergiant star called Betelgeuse. This star is twice the size of Jupiter's orbit. Think of the orbit of Jupiter. This one star is twice that size. Billions of our Earth would fit inside that one star. Betelgeuse is 527 light years away, and light can travel pretty fast in a year, pretty far in a year. And in 1974 issue of Astrophysical Journal, Carl Sagan, which is not a person I spend a lot of time reading, but Carl Sagan said that he had concluded from his research that there are billions of stars in every galaxy. And that he found that there are not only clusters of galaxies, but clusters of clusters called super galaxies. God says, do you want to know how big I am? Not only do I know every star by name, I can measure the universe with the span of my hand. Sometimes I have trouble remembering people's names. But God not only knows your name, he knows the names of all of the stars in the universe. That's how big God is. He sees the sparrow fall and he watches the ant at work. He cares for the lily of the field and he knows the number of hairs on your head. One time I had a young person in church after I read that text about God knowing the number of hairs on your head came to me after church and said, Pastor Barber, that is such a silly, silly text. Why do we bother reading it? (laughs) 
I said, wow. Hmm. Who do you think put it there? God put it there. He said, yeah, I guess God put it there. I said, why do you think God would want to talk about the numbers of hairs on your head? Because he's trying to show you just how intimate he wants to be with you. He knows everything about you. He knew your name before you were born. We see that in Isaiah 49. God knew, called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. Whoa. Is your God big enough to answer your prayers? Is your God big enough to solve the problems that you face every day of your life? If only we had a proper view of God, it would humble us. And it would help us to start trusting him more. Trusting him with every part of our being. Committing ourselves to him in the morning and all through the day and trusting him. Think of this for a moment. God loves his creation so much that he came down here to this little tiny speck of dust. The God of the universe became one of us and died to save us. That boggles the mind. I can't even begin to illustrate this to you, but I'm going to try. Let's just assume that the ball on the end of this ballpoint pen is the earth. Anybody here ever separated the ball from a ballpoint pen? Huh? I'm sure somebody has. I see a couple of heads going, yeah. I did when I was a kid with a hammer. Boom. There was a little tiny round ball, like a ball bearing. So assume that this little tiny ball is this earth. And let's assume this building... No, that isn't even close. Let's assume the city of Cleveland... Well, that isn't even close either. But for us to understand, let's assume maybe the state of Ohio is the universe. And this is the earth right here. Can you imagine the God of the universe that created everything stepping down to this little tiny speck of dust that isn't even that is so small you can't hardly see it with with the with the human eye this is something we should think about every day we should contemplate this every day of our lives so what should our response to him be what should our response be First of all, our response should be comfort. Look at verses 1 and 2. You have your Bibles open, verses 1 and 2. 
Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. This is talking about being, this is not talking about being comforted in a comfortable way. Okay, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about being comfortable. It's talking about being comforted. God wants us to be comforted. Why should we be comforted? Because our sins have been forgiven and our salvation has been provided. Second, our response should be confidence. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. We can be confident today in the fact that God has good plans for each one of us. God doesn't wish anything evil or anything hurtful on any of us. He has good plans for us. The devil would like you to believe something different. But God's plans for you are good. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms. He will gently lead those who are with young. Third, our response should be courage. Look at verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God gives strength to the weary. He gives power to the weak. He gives wisdom to the foolish. He gives courage to the fearful. And as you step out in faith and trust him, he will hold you by his strong right hand. Wow. Growing up on the farm... Our farm in Colorado was close to the mountains. We could look out and see the mountains. We were that close to the mountains. And every Sabbath, because we lived on a dairy farm, which that's pretty uh, intense work from early morning till evening, every, every single day. And on Sabbath, we would always pack, this is in the summer months when it was nice weather, we would pack a picnic lunch and a change of clothes and we would go straight from church to somewhere in the mountains and have a picnic before we had to drive back home and start milking cows again. One of my very earliest recollections, <clears throat> I don't know how, how far back each of you can remember, I don't know if you can remember when you were this big or, or, or whatnot, but the very earliest recollection that I can remember was on one of those Sabbath afternoon picnics and hikes. 
we had hiked from where, from where the car was down to a river area. We'd had a picnic. And then we hiked all over the hills. And we came back and we were on our the last little stretch of that back up to where the car was. And I can remember, I don't know how old I was. I might have been four years old. I can remember being wiped out. I was tired. I didn't feel like I could take another step. And I started to walk up this hill. And I remember there was one spot where the trail dropped right off to to the river. And it was a little bit narrow just in this one spot. And I was frightened. And I remember just at that point, a big hand reached down and grabbed mine, and up the hill we went. Whew! Right up the hill we went. That hand was the hand of my father, and I knew he loved me. I had no doubt about that. He loved me. Fear was gone. Tiredness was gone. Up the hill we went. God holds the water of the world in the palm of his hand. And yet chapter 41 and verse 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Wow! God measures the heavens with the span of his hand, yet Isaiah tells us that he wants to hold our right hand. God knows the name of every star in the universe, yet Isaiah tells us that he desires to hold our right hand. He also says in Isaiah 49.1, Listen to me, O coastlands, hearken you people from, the, from afar, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. So he holds the earth in one hand, he holds your hand in the other. How else could he compare his majesty to our weakness? How else? How else could he convey his infinite love for each and every one of us? Isaiah 41 and verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Wow. So I have one simple question for each one of you here today. And that question is, How big is your God? Hope to see all of you this afternoon at 2.30.